0: Welcome to the Homeschool with Moxie podcast, where our goal is to inspire and encourage you with actionable strategies to take you from overwhelmed to confident in your homeschool adventure. I'm your host, Abby Banks, and this is episode 254. This episode is brought to you by Generations Homeschool. If you are looking for homeschool curriculum for pretty much any grade, any age, any subject, and you want something that has a distinctly Christian something that's easy to use, written for the homeschool family in mind, then definitely check out Generations Homeschool. The vision of Generations is to pass on the faith to the next generation through the biblical family, discipleship, and education. You can learn more by using our link at 41 morecom forward slash generations. Hey, it's Abby from the Homeschool with Moxie podcast. This is episode 254, and be sure to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. You can find the show notes at 41more.com forward slash 254. Today's episode is about strengthening your child's foundation in faith, and our guest is Christian Horseman. He um, is the host of the Family Discipleship podcast, and also his site is ChristianFamilyReformation.com. So we decided to talk about this topic because of our culture and our kids needing to have a Christian worldview to be able to navigate the culture that they're in. We know that doubts are a big deal, especially when you get to the teenage years. There are contradictory messages they're hearing from the culture about the authority of the Bible. So listen in on this conversation I had with Christian Horseman about practical ways you can encourage your children and strengthen their foundation in the word. We're going to talk about where doubts originate. We're going to talk about the Bible and apologetics, and even a little bit about biblical literacy. So listen in on this conversation, and I hope you enjoy it. Okay, Christian, it's so good to have you today on the Homeschool with Moxie podcast. So let's start with having you introduce yourself to my audience.
1: Yeah, hey there. Uh, pleasure to be here. So um, I'm a homeschool grad, so I'm not a homeschool parent yet. One day, Lord willing, I will be. Um, but yeah, I, I uh, have a, a website and a, you know, podcast of my own where I just try to you know share encouragement and inspiration for you know Christian homeschool families. Um, kind of from, you know, the homeschool graduates' perspective. You know, there's a lot of information and uh, resources out there from parents' perspective, which is awesome. And, uh, you know, I think it's grown a lot over the last few years, which is wonderful. Um, but, you know, just kind of a different perspective on the the topic and the the field. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at. And, uh, yeah, pleasure to be here today.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I did, I did take a look at your website, too. I thought you must be a homeschool grad because I thought <laughs> – Why do you want to talk to homeschool moms? Why are you passionate about this topic? So we are going to talk today about giving kids that strong biblical foundation so they can evaluate, like the culture is throwing so much at kids. I mean, it has changed so much in 10 years, hasn't it? And even 20 years, it's crazy how fast things are getting worse. It doesn't seem like it was this fast before. It just seems like at such a super fast pace. But I thought, like, why are you passionate about this? Because it must have been something about your upbringing as a homeschool student and then coming from that perspective. So just can you dive into a little bit more about like why this topic and why you as a homeschool grad, is this really important to you?
1: Yeah. Well, I think, um, I didn't maybe necessarily realize this as much like when I was in school, um, but after I graduated and kind of, um, I don't know, seen a little bit more of the world maybe, so to speak, it's like, I'm really, really thankful um, for for the upbringing I've had. I, I'm glad I was homeschooled. Um, and, you know, so sometimes I think, you know, us students, we take that for, for granted sometimes. Um, but then, when, like I said, when you look out at the world, um, you kind of get a bigger picture of the way things are out there. Um, it's not a pretty picture, right? <laughs> it's like, um, it's, I just see, you know, so many, you know, families, you know, broken families and just you know, tragic things going on all over the world. And I think, um, you know, I think we can trace a lot of that, you know, there's, there's things going on politically in the church, you know, as a nation, you know, internationally. Um, But I just, I really think that a lot of problems can be traced back to the way the families are, you know, churches are nothing but a collection of, you know, individuals and families, primarily families most of the time. Um, But, you know, the same thing with, you know, a a a nation or government, you know, a nation is a collection of individuals and families. So um, I think it's really important to, uh, strengthen and encourage the family because you know the churches in the nation are only going to be as good as the families are. and it's you no, know, that's the way God uh, set our our society have to be. Um you know, he created the family unit, and uh, no wonder then that the devil wants to attack it. so that's why I'm passionate about it. Um like I said, you know I um, didn't necessarily understand that uh, big picture perspective when I was growing up, but it's something I've definitely seen now. you know I've kind of seen both ends of the spectrum, you know, we're you look at a situation or a family it's like what went wrong here right <laughs> it's like you know this is a train wreck what happened and then on the other side of the spectrum too where it's you know you can you know total 180 contrast where it's like you know this is a you know godly christian family you love being around them you know you love seeing the impact that they're having on the culture um and the church you know for the glory of christ and uh you know that's the way i would like all of our our homes and families to be leaning in that direction instead of the train wreck
0: <laughs> yep so where do you see some of the main sources of like this doubt and skepticism that that young adults teens that that the, everyone's encountering where do you where do you see that coming from
1: yeah well i hate to put it this way but pretty much almost everywhere right mm-hmm. <laughs> um you know but there are um, some sources that are a little bit more so than others you know um You know, a lot of it comes through, I think, the entertainment that, uh, you know, we, our culture's, you know, big into, um, you know, movies, you know, music, um, you know, for families that aren't homeschoolers, you know, huge one is through the government school system. Um, But then, you know, there's, you know, friend groups and peers, um, which is, Big pressure, as I'm sure you know, and then like you know, social media doesn't help. You know, that's something that I never really battled with growing up. So it's like you know, one of those big changes. Like, man, I never even thought of this. You know, when I was you know six years old. But you know, we're we're in the age of tech now, so you know that that has not helped at all as far as you know strengthening and encouraging our next generation of young people. And you know, I wouldn't say necessarily that you know all those things are causes per se of doubt, right? I think the worldview and the lifestyle that, you know, a lot of them promote are very anti-biblical. Um, so, you know, I don't think you can say, um, you know, all friend groups, you know, our children's friends groups are going to cause that it's not necessarily a cause and effect reaction. Um, but when you consider the worldview that's promoted, you know, the lifestyle is promoted in a lot of these things, you know, technology and entertainment, music, movies, all that kind of stuff. Um, I think it leads to, uh, leads our children to question more, um, and again, not, not that it's necessarily a wrong thing to have questions, um, and I think that's something you know we need to make sure our children understand too. Um, so it's not wrong to ask questions, but we're opening the door wider for questions of doubt and skepticism um, if we're not careful with what we fill our children's time with. Does that mm-hmm. make sense?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, my husband and I were just talking about how our childhoods and teenage years and young adult years were so different because we didn't have any social media. And I said, Oh, I I miss that world. And, you know, it's hard because as an adult, you kind of have to be plugged in when you're doing a podcast or whatever. You have to be on social media, but it's kind of annoying. Right. It's like, Oh, yeah. I don't like this, but it is the world mm-hmm. we're in. So our kids have to learn to navigate it, especially when they become adults. They're probably going to need to be on there for different reasons. And it's mm-hmm. just, we have to learn help them learn to navigate it so talk about pop culture that's a really hard one too because pop culture often contradicts a biblical worldview and that's a huge impact on a lot of kids and teenagers
1: yeah yeah like i said you know music movies entertainment i'd say that falls into a big you know it's kind of maybe a subset of that um but yeah and you know in what way does you know you ask like what way does it contradict a biblical worldview and again um sounds really overly general but pretty much in every way possible (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, but especially, you know, I think, uh, you know, it promotes very much a a self-centered, you know, humanistic, uh, philosophy, you know, that, you know, we're filling our kids' minds with, um, that's the way they're going to look at life. So, you know, um basically just a love of self, you know, promotes a, a wrong view um, of the purpose and meaning of life. Because you know, when you think about it, you know, there's only two worldviews out there. You know, you know, we think of all these religions, all these, you know, systems of thought and everything. When you think about it, there's really only two, you know, right? And this is what Jesus says, you know, it's either, you know, His way or not His way, right? It's either Christ or Satan. It's either, you know, the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of the world. Um, you know, so all those other stuff would fit into the latter if it's not part of the kingdom of Christ, and, uh, so, you know, that's, that's how you boil it down. Um, and when you think of it that way, you know, it's, it's really very simple, you know, so like I said, wrong view of the purpose and meaning of life. Um, you know, when you have that humanistic self-centered worldview, you know, no wonder we see half the things that uh, are going on out in the world, you know, it's like, you know, it just makes sense in that, that worldview. And so we're, we're, scratching our heads and they're thinking, you know, like, how could somebody think that way? Well, I'll tell you how they think that way because. You know, that's how they've been fed um, from the culture, from school and everywhere else. You know, a big part of it is evolutionary teaching. You know, just, you know, the way it's the way we think and it affects the way we live our life. Um, You know, and just so, you know, a lot of these things, they just really promote, you know, a lot of flagrant sin. Um, You know, pop culture tends to make it look, you know, fun or exciting or popular, um, especially when it's endorsed by, you know, big names, Hollywood uh, you hope it won't step on your toes, Taylor Swift. Um, <laughs> um, so, you know, it's, it's just, it's really destructive and it never presents, um, you know, sin never presents itself as the destruction that it really is. Um, so, you know, you think about it, you know, we have all these big name, you know, people, you know, that are openly, uh, you know, promoting a flagrantly sinful lifestyle. Um, but then they're so, you know, kind or generous or so successful. And then it's like, your children are saying, you're going to be sitting here thinking like, well, you know, what's the connection here? If, you know, this person is so well off and so successful and so happy, um, you know, then I want to live like them, right? You know, if, if that lifestyle brings, you know, happiness, then, you know, why not, right? <laughs> so it's like, you know, that's why it's so important. Um, you know, like I said, that we, we you know, kind of guard what our children's mind and time is filled up with, because, um, you know, it will have an effect.
0: Mm-hmm. So, how would you define worldview? Because we're using this word. I always forget to define stuff. Cause I think everyone knows yeah. what it means. We just jumped into the conversation, but yeah, wh- what do you mean when you're talking about worldview? How do you define that?
1: Yeah. What's well, the way um, that we view all of life, right? It's, I mean, you know, it's like I said, either you view it from the lens of scripture, you know, I, you know, I, try to present more of a biblical worldview and live according to a biblical worldview. And so that's going to shape the way I think about things. It's going to sh- shape the way I live. It's going to shape, you know, the choices I make. It's going to shape, you know, the decisions of things I do. It's going to affect, you know, the way I spend my time, the way I spend, you know, my leisure time, um, you know, what I choose to do for a career or, or work. Um, it's, you know, so it's just a framework that we uh, view all of life and, you know, everything through that lens. And uh, so that's why I'm saying. If, if we have that biblical worldview, then our thoughts and actions are going to be governed and guided, um, in one direction. Whereas if it's, you know, a humanistic evolutionary self-centered worldview, um, you know, it's self-centered and self-focused it's, you know, and like I said, that's where everything else would fall in. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so everything else is just a subset of that one. Um, but if we have that perspective, you know, no wonder we have all these sin problems and we have addictions and we have, you know, all kinds of terrible stuff going on um, because it's not centered on Christ and we're not living for his glory.
0: Yeah. And it's funny. Some people like to think they're very neutral. Like they're like, I'm not this or that, but you really are one or the other. And it does come down to where's your authority, right? Where are you gaining? Where's the authority for your worldview? So talk to us about, um, what children need to grasp when we're talking about worldview and the authority of the Bible. What do you
1: see there? Right. Right. Well, like you just said, you know, if in a biblical worldview, The Bible is the authority of that worldview. You know, it's not about what we want or what, you know, culture says or society says or celebrity says. Um, It comes down to, you know, the Bible is the final authority um, in all matters of life. Um, And so, you know, our children need to understand that growing up, you know, they need to be able to recognize that the Bible is what it says it is. Um, They need to, you know, we as parents need to, you know, show them and educate them on why it's different, you know, from other, you know, supposed holy books. Why is it different than the Quran? Why is it different, you know, from all the other, you know, world religions? out there, um, they need to understand, you know, it is in fact the true word of God um, and that it, like I said, that is the final authority. And when when we build that worldview off that foundation, um, you know, like that's what's going to shape, you know, their life and, uh, you know, our life, because hopefully we're living that out too, right? <laughs> um, but also, you know, even more importantly than that, you know, sometimes I think um, kind of get, I don't know, distracted is the right word, um, but, you know, it's important to understand that the Bible is the foundation of our life, but um, also I think we also need to make sure our children understand, you know, the Bible is God's um, love letter to them. You know, it's not just, um, you know, the Bible is not just teaching us how to live, right? Um, it shows us, you know, the big picture of why we're here in the first place. And we'll kind of get to this in a minute. Um, but what happened and, you know, what's wrong with the world and how it can be made right, right? How it can be fixed. Um, because, you know, there are a lot of terrible things that go on. Um, and they need to understand, you know, the, the the message of the Bible is the gospel. It's not just you know, guiding my thoughts and my actions to live a certain way. Um, Because if that's all it is, we've kind of missed the boat, right? (laughs) We've kind of missed the whole point um, of what, you know, the Bible's message is all about. And the Bible's message is the gospel. And so um, I think it's really important that we make sure that our children understand that they understand, you know, the gospel message in the Bible. Um, But then, you know, it does tie back to, that does have to be built on the foundation as well, so I think they're kind of interconnected um you know it, it you know the Bible is the, the authority that shapes the way we live, the way we think, and the way we act um but it's it's more than that, and they they kind of have to go side by side
0: mm-hmm. I'm glad you mentioned earlier like it's okay to ask questions because kids naturally they want to ask, and I think we need to be open to that because if mm-hmm. you're asking questions, you want thoughtful discussion, I think people need to realize like that's a good That's a good thing too. Like the youth pastor, the pastors need to be open to that. My husband is pastor and he engages with skeptics all the time, doubters, people in the community, yeah. people in our church. And I think though, as parents, if we don't allow our kids to ask questions, because sometimes we're afraid we don't know the answer. So we shut them down. Nope, don't ask that. You know, just, just take <laughs> right. my word for it. But then we're sending the message that the biblical worldview is shallow or fragile or can't handle it, right? But it can. Mm-hmm. So oh, when yes. we're thinking of especially teens, because they're the ones really wrestling with stuff. What questions do you think teens really should wrestle with? Because that's actually a healthy thing for them to work through it, not just accept it because when they do, then they become adults. And then they sometimes just kind of abandon the faith at all because they've never really wrestled with those things on their own, right?
1: Right, right. And then, you know, then they'll ask them to, you know, the wrong people and they'll get the wrong answers, right? And they're like, oh, well, you know, they have answers for this over here. Well, you know, my pastor or whatever never had answers to that. But, yes. and uh, yeah, and you said, you know, teens uh, in particular, I I do agree with you. You know, a lot of times it's when it comes out, you know, maybe earlier, maybe later. Um, but pretty much every human being, there's four questions I'll kind of walk through here. Um and they may not always take the same form as this, you know, verbatim, um, but basically when you boil down most of your children's hard questions about you know, life and the meaning of life and everything like that, um, basically I think you can pretty much summarize them in, in four main categories. Um, and, and the way, that, like you said, these, the way these questions are answered, it's going to affect their worldview. It's going to have a profound impact on that. And, uh, you know, and when that worldview is shaped, then it's going to shape the way that they view others, the way they treat others and the way they live the rest of their life. Um, so, so the four questions, um, like I said, just kind of summary, um, who am I, right? You know, why am I here? Um, why is the world messed up? And what can be done to fix it? And so I kind of alluded to that a minute ago. Um, like I said, these are huge fundamental questions. And, you know, I think, you know, every human being, you know, wrestles with these, whether they vocalize them, or whether they, you know, admit that they're wrestling with them. You know, some people kind of put on that I've got it all together attitude, right? And they're like, <laughs> you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't think that, uh, you know, they're wrestling with this, but everyone wrestles with these. And uh, so, you know, kind of walk through, you know, the way that both worldviews, you know, biblical worldview and the humanist worldview, answer those. Um, so like the first one, you know, who am I, right? Well, you know, the Bible teaches you are made in the image of God. You have a special purpose. You know, you're not, um, you know, contrary to evolutionary worldview. You know, you're not uh, evolved from pond scum. You know, billions and billions of years ago, um, because in that worldview, you know, what what real value is there in human life then, right? <laughs> you know, if you're just evolved from you know ponds come billions of years ago, you're just a random chemical accident, and so you know, um, it kind of um, impacts the way we answer the next question: Why am I here? You know, it, or you know, you might rephrase that: What is the meaning of life, right? Um, so why are why are we here? Um, well, according to the Bible, you know, we've been created in the image of God and God wants to have a relationship with us and he wants us to give him glory. Um, in a humanist worldview, why am I here? Well, I'm here to basically uh consume as much as I can get and enjoy life while it lasts and uh you know do whatever it t- takes to come out on top and get whatever I want as long as it lasts, right? <laughs> um and so you know, and so this is where I'm saying the way you answer that question, that's going to have an effect on the way you treat other people, right? If if, uh, you know, if you're just a, you know, random chemical mistake, and I'm just a random chemical mistake, mistake, and I happen to be bigger and stronger than you, and I want what you have, why is it wrong? You tell me why it's wrong um, if it's, you know, we're just chemical accident, whereas, you know, in the biblical worldview, why is that wrong? It's wrong because human beings are made in the image of God, and, you know, we're made to give him glory and not, you know, to to have a relationship with him and to, you know, show love and kindness to our fellow human beings. Um And then there's the question, why is this world messed up? You know, basically what happened? You know, it doesn't take um, an Albert Einstein to figure out the world's not a happy place um, a lot of the time. Um, You know, a lot of, you know, sickness, pain, suffering, crime, all kinds of terrible stuff that goes on every day. Um, You know, so why? You know, and this this question is often, um, you know, vocalized, you know, why would a loving God allow things like that, right? Well, biblical worldview, it's not God's fault. Um, it's, it's our fault because, you know, we sinned and rebelled. We chose to sin and rebel against him. Um, in an evolutionary humanistic worldview though, why is the world messed up? You don't really have an answer for that. Get over it. You know, it's always been that way. Um, that's how we got here is, you know, by beating and killing and, you know, coming out on top, whatever it takes. So what do you mean? Why is the world messed up? It's not, this is normal, you know, get over it, get on with life. Right. <laughs> you know, and, you know, and people won't think about it, but, you know, it sounds so, you know, cruel and hard and, you know, most people wouldn't. You know, answer that question that way, but if you think about it, that's the only way you can logically answer that question in a humanistic worldview. Um, so yeah, no wonder you know we have despair and disappointment and uh, you know unhappiness. But that's where the fourth question comes in because you know the biblical worldview has another answer that the other one doesn't, and. That is, you know, the answer to the question, what can be done to be fixed or what can be done to fix it? Um, You know, the world's messed up, but is there hope? Is there, you know, a solution? And in the biblical worldview, we have that solution. We have that answer. You know, you know, God sent his son, Jesus Christ to die for our sins and to restore us, you know, to a reconciled place, um, you know, reconciled relationship with the father. And so in light of that, we we have hope um, while we live, we have purpose while we live because we're living for his glory. Um, And then we have the assurance that when we die, we're going to, you know, if we believe in him, we'll. He'll be taken to his heavenly kingdom uh, to live and enjoy him forever. Um, evolutionary humanistic worldview, though, you can't answer that. What are you gonna happen? What's gonna happen when you die? You're dead, you're done, um, you go back to the ground where you came from, <laughs> and that's it. And so, you know, the way, you know, hopefully just walking through this really you know quickly like that, you can see the they're diametrically opposite. If someone is Steeped and ingrained in that humanistic worldview, no wonder you know they act the way they do. No wonder they think the way they do. No wonder you know we have all these issues, you know, crime and you know hatred and you know suicide and things like that. But in the biblical worldview, there's hope and there's an answer for those problems and there's an answer for those questions. And that's where I you know it kind of comes down to what I said a minute ago. You know that that's what our children need to understand about the Bible it's not just you know oh this is telling us how to live and we have to do it just because it says to. No, you know God wants a relationship with us, and you know sometimes I think, um, you know, especially in the homeschool circles, uh, and I'm not saying everywhere by any means, um, but sometimes I think there's um, kind of this tendency to, you know, we've pulled our children out of public school, or you know, maybe we've done it from day one, but we kind of just view it as an academic thing. And the way I see homeschooling is it's not, you know, like you said, it's not neutral. You know, academics are not neutral. If if you know our academics as homeschoolers is not. For the purpose of you know growing our children's relationship with the Lord, then it's you know beside the point. We're not doing a whole lot better than the government schools are doing. So you know that that really I think has to be an essential part of it. And you know like I said, not to you know condemn anyone or anything like that, but I just think sometimes it's something we tend to overlook. You know, especially if it's kind of a knee jerk reaction from the way you know the school system works. You know, or we might have pulled our kids out because you know we rightfully so, don't like something they're doing, um, but we've got to remember that it's not just, you know, pulling our kids out of school and bringing them home and doing the same thing at our kitchen table, you know, no, the reason we do academics and the reason we, we homeschool is to grow our children's relationship with Christ, and uh, that's only possible in the biblical worldview, and so, you know, again, it's not neutral, it's, you know, you're either one or the other, so... <laughs>
0: So along those lines of talking about like academics aren't in this vacuum, like the Christian biblical worldview is is infusing everything. So let's talk about, I love this topic, biblical literacy, because I talk about this a lot also. Um, And that's why we've done inductive Bible studies for the homeschool market, because it's like nothing substitutes for actually being in the word and learning to read it. So how would you define biblical literacy? And why is that important um, as a goal for growing our kids?
1: Right. Well, um, biblical literacy, I think you could simply define it as being very familiar with the Bible, but like I said, again, with the caveat, not just knowing it in the head, but uh, for the purpose of, you know, growing that relationship with God in our heart. Um, so, you know, not just not to just memorize all the verses or, you know, check it off our to-do list that we have read it every day, um, but it's important because... You know, as you know, parents, we we won't always be there for our children to analyze. You help them analyze the ideas in the culture, and so that's why it's so important to you know give them that foundation while they're young, get them you know used to it. You know, from you know hopefully from as early as they can remember, right? You know, from from the time they're a baby, because you know we want them to get used to that foundation. You know, so that when they're older and adults, and you know we may not even be here anymore, you know they're going to you know it's going to be their default mode, right? They're automatically going to turn to that. You know, hopefully if they've, you know, had that strong foundation and gotten that foundation built as they were growing up. And so it's just like second nature to them. You know, why would they go anywhere else, you know, for these answers uh, or for help when they need it? Um, And, you know, I think it's important too, we have to remember, kind of like you said, it's not just an empty vacuum. Our children's minds are not empty vacuums. (laughs) They're going to get their ideas from somewhere. They're going to get answers to these questions from somewhere. And, you know, that's why I said a minute ago, you know, it's important to do that while they're young too, because when they do go out into the world, you know, If they don't have the answers, you know, from a solid uh, Christian perspective, someone else is going to answer them for them. And it's not going to be, you know, if that person isn't uh, steeped in a biblical worldview themselves, then they're not going to give the right answers. Um, So, you know, our children are going to get their ideas. They're going to get them from somewhere. Um, So I just think, you know, why should we allow them to get them from the world? You know, why should we allow, you know, people like, you know, Hollywood stars and and people like that to influence the way our children think? Um, we have something so much better, um, you know so much uh, more superior, and something so much more fulfilling. Um, so why would we give them you know the cheap imitations you know of you know, so, like I said, supposed happiness that you know these worldly celebrities have, or you know, it doesn't just have to be them. It could be you know their friend next door, right? <laughs> and that you know they perceive as as you know being happier um in the ways of the world or the ways of sin. Um so why should we allow them to to think that way um, when we have something that's so much more fulfilling to fill their mind with? Um, and again, I, I tie this back to, like I said a minute ago, I said several times, you know it's not just growing biblical knowledge, it's growing it for the sake of uh, increasing and growing our relationship with God. Um, so you know the Bible being literate in the Bible, uh, very you know familiar with the Bible, it's important because without that, you know, not only do you have you know, no way to answer those big questions I, I mentioned a minute ago, but you have no gospel and you have no consistent you know, answer uh, for the problems you have, you have no answer for the sin problem, you have no hope, um, that anything is ever going to be better. It's just going to be, you know, the way it is, get over it, right? So um, so I think that's why it's very, very important. Um, you know, parents make sure their children are familiar with the Bible and uh, not, not just internalizing it, but, uh, you know, hopefully hiding it in their heart and uh, learning to appreciate and value it for what it really is.
0: So let's finish up our time by talking about apologetics, because this is an interesting thing, especially, I mean, you can do this with young kids too on their level, but I mean, especially the teens, once again, they really want to know like the why to everything. And why do we believe this? And why is this true? Mm. So talk about apologetics, why it's important to instruct our teens in it, especially when we talk about even like faith and science, which tends to be a hang up for a lot of people being able to get those two things in their minds to, um, you know, to uh, what's the word i don't know coexist like can we believe right. <laughs> still have faith and you know science right. can still be you know we can still trust science i don't know whatever well how does that all right. work with apologetics
1: right yeah you know how do you you know some people have this idea that like you know if uh, you're a christian you can't you know believe in science and uh again this is you know, mentioned this a minute ago this is where you have to define your terms right mm-hmm. um so what exactly do we mean by science um because there's two kinds of science. There's historical science and there's observational science. Um, and a lot of people, they blur that line and they think, oh, well, you know, if you believe that, you know, outdated Bible, then you can't, you know, believe in science. And what they're thinking of is, you know, technology, you know, science that's, you know, put man on the moon, that's built cell phones, you know, we built 747 jets. Um, that's usually what they're referring to. And that's, you know, really it's a a ridiculous comparison. It's, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) very outdated. If you really go and research it, you know, you can be a a wonderful Christian and, uh, you know, believe in science, you know, that's, that's not an issue, but that's observational science that, you know, is tangible, you know, we can work on it and repeat it and everything else. What, uh, where the line gets blurred though, is when you come to historical science and that's, you know, basically, you know, obviously everything happened before us. Right. (laughs) But specifically, um, you know, specifically, like in the beginning, you know, and that's where the Bible comes in because it, you know, it's the eyewitness account of someone who was there. Um, and so, you know, remember, I was telling you, you know, those two origin stories, you know, the, how did we get here? Why are we here? Um, Though the way we answer those questions and define those, um, that's going to affect our view of science. You know, that, like I said, the evolutionary worldview has really creeped in um, to a lot of the way we think. And so we've kind of blurred that line. Um, and so, True science, you know, you have to remember this, true science is always going to agree with, and it's going to support the Bible. You know, there's never going to be a contradiction. Um, God's world is always going to agree with with God's word um, when it's understood in the proper uh, biblical worldview and framework. Um, so it's just important to keep that in mind. Um, you know, because like I said, a lot of people tend to, to blur that distinction, and they're like, well, uh, um, you know, if you have a biblical worldview, you can absolutely believe in science Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's not, uh, you know, an outdated thing that, (laughs) you know, makes us stuck back in, you know, 300 years ago or whatever. Um, so yeah, we just always have to keep that in mind, you know, God's, God's world. I like that, 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 uh, saying in particular, you know, God's world is always going to agree with God's word when it's understood in biblical framework.
0: So what are the resources you recommend for apologetics?
1: Yeah. Um, so there are thankfully some really great ones out there and, uh, you know, we were just talking, you know, kind of, some of the things over the last 10, 20 years that, um, you know, have gotten worse, you know, thankfully by God's grace, there are things that have gotten uh, better too. And I would say, you know, that's a nice thing. Um, you know, there are definitely way more resources and things out there, especially for Christian homeschoolers than there were, you know, 10, 20, you know, 30, 40 years ago. Um, so, I don't know. uh, A couple of my favorites probably would be um, I I really like Answers in Genesis Ministries. Um, You you might know them from the Creation Museum, the Ark Encounter, which Mm I highly recommend if if you're ever ever able to visit there. Um, But, uh, you know, especially, um, you know, kind of uh, piggybacking on the topic of science in particular, because they do a really good job of explaining. you know, how you can understand science from a biblical worldview and how it doesn't conflict with the Bible. And, uh, you know, they have a lot of wonderful children's resources and, uh, you know, just really good about, uh, you know, explaining, you know, how the Bible is true from the very first verse. And kind of like what I've said here, you know, it makes sense. Uh, when you understand that framework, it makes sense of everything else in the world around us. Um, another resource, um, that I like is a website by Israel Wayne um, called Christianworldview.net. And he has a lot of great uh, you know articles and just on a wide range of apologetics type topics. Um, so that's you know a good resource to uh, you know check out. And uh, also generations ministries I really like. Um, they're not just apologetics focused. you know they have a lot of like homeschool curriculum and stuff like that. Um, but I love how you know their their curriculum, their apologetics books, and uh, you know all the resources are very focused on promoting that biblical worldview. Um, you know, because because apologetics and that worldview they're they're combined. You know, again, the way you know the worldview you have is going to affect the way you answer those questions. And you know, sometimes you know we tend to think of apologetics as just a you know a Christian thing. Um, but the world has apologetics too. You know, the world, yeah, that's what I'm saying. You know, the world has these answers or has answers or they try to have answers because they don't really answer the, the heart of the questions, mm-hmm. um, but they try to have answers and they try to, you know, have, you know, defenses and, and, uh, you know, answers for these questions that people have. But, uh, you know, when you examine them, they're not, they're not fulfilling, they're not satisfying and they don't really answer the question because they can't, because it doesn't make sense um, in their worldview. Um, and I could go on and on about that, but, uh, <laughs> but some, those are probably some of my, my favorites um, that, uh, you know, I would, I would definitely turn to on a regular basis if uh, you're looking for good sources.
0: Yes, um, absolutely. And we'll, yeah. we will link to those in the show notes too. Um, we yeah. use Generations Homeschool and, and I know they're newer, yeah. so I've only used them for yes. my youngest and Yes. Until I looked, I had never seen so much of the like the Christian worldview view infused into the curriculum rather than sure. tacked on a verse here. Tack on, yes. you know, it was very yeah, that's a it big was thing. Very yeah. much so an infused kind of curriculum yeah. with the Christian worldview, yeah. right? So yeah. and
1: I, I love that too. Yeah. Unfortunately, you know, when I was in school that like I said, it's yeah. it is relatively newer. Exactly. Um, but but praise God, you know, that's definitely something that uh yeah. I think there's a much needed market for. And you're right, it's it's yeah. more than just Slapping a Bible verse on the bottom of your textbook—it's—it's right. it's way more yeah, than that,
0: yeah, um, exactly. So. And maybe that's what turned off some of the kids that grew up in homeschool because it felt like it was tacked on. It didn't feel like it was cohesive and, you know, infused in everything. So that's the challenge for parents. Don't just tack it on as something extra, right? It's really infused in everything. So, well, we will uh, link to your website and your podcast so people can find you. Um, Go ahead and mention one more time where people can find you online. And of course, we'll link to it all in the show notes
1: yeah um, I have two websites, one for my podcast specifically and that is uh, family Um So you can go there. it's got all the the episodes on there. Um, try to publish one every week um, with some, you know some really great uh, guests and speakers there. Um, but also uh, you can also check out christianfamilyreformation.com. And, uh, that's more my just general site where I try to publish, you know, share things, you know, resources and articles and, uh, just things that God lays in my heart from time to time. So I try to, uh, keep up with that on a regular basis. So, you know, sometimes there's a little bit more of a gap than others, but I, you know, try to be a little bit, um, you know, as consistent as I can beyond sharing things, uh, um, through there. So hopefully it's a blessing to your family. Uh, so both of those.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us today, Christian. Appreciate the conversation.
1: Yes. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure to be here.
0: I hope you enjoyed the conversation I just had with Christian Horseman. Be sure to check out the show notes at 4 morecom forward slash 254. You can follow Christian on the Family Discipleship Podcast or on his site at christianfamilyreformation.com. Thanks for joining us today. And in the meantime, happy homeschooling.